Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I try to say good afternoon because morning is two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So, we are in this new series called The God Process. And process is an acronym that over the next nine weeks that we're going to actually unpack. And so how we came about this was um, for a while, maybe, a, a, I don't know, a few months ago or something, uh, I was in prayer. And um, so while I was in prayer, I began to just meditate on some things that uh, had to do with relational care and just some of the things that Leona and I had had talked about, some of the issues that we've seen in couples and people that we've been ministering to over the years. And so God began to bring this idea of process. And so we know that after we're saved, we go through what's called the sanctification process. And the sanctification process is that we are being made into the image of Christ, right? And so we're walking through this process of learning how to walk in the spirit, we're learning, we're going through this process of dealing with our own issues and, and learning how to become the people that God has uh, created us to be. So one of the things that when I started thinking about process was I began to start looking around and realizing that God has created a universe that is based on process. When you think about life process, when you think about plants, when you think about animals, when you think about just life on earth, it's a process, right? There are processes that happen. Uh, and this is, this is more evident also when you look at Genesis and you look at how God created. Now, God can do anything he wants to do. God could have created the universe instantaneously, right? So the earth could have showed up instantaneously. All the plants could have showed up in instantaneously. Man could have showed up. He could have just said, okay, Let's get started with everything. Boom, there it is. So are right. you saying that he could have started instead of going six days, he could have just done everything on day one? Yes. Okay. Right? He didn't, have, he didn't actually even need a day. He could have just spoken everything into an existence instantaneously. But he didn't. Right? He actually, what he did was he actually went on a creative process to where he created over six days. Okay. So in that, we know that the, that the universe that he has created is based in process. So when we talk about relational care, when we talk about relationships, relationships are no different. Relationships also, there is a process to relationship, right? None of us have ever gone from not knowing a person to boom, all of a sudden just being in like a great relationship. Yes, there are people that do it. It's called uh, married at first sight. <laughs> now, how well does that work out? Now, how well does that work out? Now, I've, I've watched that show a few times. I've watched that show a few times, right? I don't know, do you guys know what we're talking about? Okay, so there's a show that's called married at first sight. So what happens is, 
These people fill out, they fill out two forms, right, that basically tells about them, their wants, their likes, and these kind of things. So two psychologists get together and they say, okay, based on this compatibility study and this compatibility study, we think that these two people would be perfect to be married. So the whole idea is that you don't even, you don't know the person, you, you haven't seen the person, nothing. What happens is the two of you show up at the altar that day. You show up that day and then you get married. And then you get married and then you live together and it's kind of like this 90 day experiment. So you live together for 90 days and at the 90 days you decide whether you want to stay married or whether it doesn't work. Right? So of course this is new reality show. And then through it, you know, the psychologists are looking at it and they're saying, well, you know, so-and-so has, you know, has got anger issues. So in order to make this work, what needs to happen is this person needs to be better able to communicate about their anger issues to the other person. So these two psychologists are analyzing these people through the 90 days to kind of help them to get the marriage to work. Let me tell you that that show is a mess. <laughs> that show is a hot mess. Well. Because, so here's the thing. So here's the thing. At the end of the 90 days, right, most people, now you do have the rarity where two people get together and then they figure, okay, at the 90 days they want to stay married. So now, of course, the spinoff of the show is they come back a year later, after the first 90 days that you said, well, we think we're compatible, we're gonna try to make this up, right? But it is a mess, right? Because they don't know anything about each other. You filled out these compatibility forms, right? But you could be lying on the form. <laughs> number one, number two, you're not listing all the hurts, the pain, mm -hmm. the trauma, all these things you've gone through that you're probably not even really aware of mm -hmm. when you fill out that form. And then these people get together and it's like, what in the world did I do? And they have the camera following around and want to go to work and go, I wish I would have never met this person. I can't wait for the 90 days to be over because I am just like hitting a beeline out, right? While the other person is going, oh, I just, I really like this guy. I think I want to stay married. And they don't know what the other guy is saying, right? And it's just like, wow. Lord, have mercy. Mm. What I'm saying is, do not go on that show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here's, but here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, that, that's sort of the, the problem with that show. You find people that really, really in their hearts, they want to find somebody that they're compatible to. Mm -hmm. So they fill out the forms truthfully, and they really pour their heart into trying to make that work. While the other person may be like, you know what, I don't even want to deal with this in 90 days, I'm out of here. Right? And what you see, though, is a byproduct, is you see the hurt and the pain and the more trauma that's caused to them because they really were in a place that they were really looking for love and they were looking for marriage, right? So that's the downside of it, right? Is that they, there's a lot of trauma that gets, that they go through and, they're, and they, they suffer.
right? So in this in this series that we're calling the God Process. So the name of this series is the God Process: the Roadmap to Relational Maturity. The Roadmap to Relational Maturity. And the reason why this is so important is that as believers, as people that have been created for relationship, relationship with God and relationship with others, relational maturity is critical. The issue is, where do we learn how to be relationally mature? Right? We pick it up as we go along. Well, we do in a way, but we pick it up as we go along. But unfortunately, we pick that up from our experiences. And so if we begin to have traumatic experiences, if we begin to have relational experiences that are not good, how do, how do we learn to do relationship the way God wants us to, and how do we mature relationally? I'll speak about it in my own life, right? From my own mother and father, right, there was, there was um, emotional distance, emotional abandonment. So when I grew up and I got married, all I knew to bring into my marriage was what I saw from my mother and father. And so what I saw was I saw a passive aggressive father and I saw a dominant mother. So when I got into my marriage, what did I have? I only had the experiences that I had learned as a child. And this is why it's so important for us to really be students of the word and really be to plug into God's relational process because that's where we learn to do relationship well. That's where we learn to what relationship looks like. So as as believers, we look at the word and we learn to look at the word really from a spiritual basis and from a theological basis. It's easy to look, and even, for example, right now we're doing the Ten Contentments, and we all know who've been hearing the pastors who, are pre- who have preached on it, mostly Pastor John, uh, that he's referring to the Ten Commandments, right? So we tend to look at the Bible from a list of principles and a list of rules and, um, you know, ideas that we should hold philosophically. Rarely... Rarely do we also take the Bible and look at it from a perspective of relational care, like looking at relationships as they were and looking and feeling and allowing ourselves to connect emotionally and relationally with, I will borrow the old term, characters of the Bible. I don't really like that term because characters make it sound like the Bible isn't true. Somebody came up with a storyline and they wrote a story about some fake people that never existed. But we know that we who are here, um, and hopefully those at the sound of our voices will recognize that the word of God is true and is based on things that really happen. Mm -hmm. So have you ever thought when you read about Leah, right? and her sister, Rachel, what they were going through emotionally 
as they were married to the same man. Mm. What was that dynamic? And again, not even thinking about it from your Western culture mindset, but trying to put it in their culture where it was okay to have more than one wife. Mm -hmm. But even what were the challenges that just, if we just say, let's try to not think like an American, that's going to be really hard not to do, but let's try not to think like an American and let's try to think about this just as a woman, just as a woman, maybe in another culture, but then what would that be like to recognize that my blood sister is the second wife? My nephews, my nephews and my nieces are also my children. They're my, they're my children. They're my, they are part of the family. We co-parent this whole group. We need to recognize that the word of God is calling us to levels of growth and that the word of God is not one dimensional. Mm -hmm. It is not just your spiritual food. It is not just to inform your brain that Jesus was born, he paid for your sins, he died on the cross, now you are forgiven and you can live your house any live your life any old how. It is emotional in content and it requires us to tap into what is God really trying to show me? And a lot of times you're not going to get a straight answer. It's going to require you to go on a process also in terms of your relationship with the most high to discover what God is really trying to get you to get connected with that you might need to release to him. You might need to dialogue with him. You might need to go to a brother or sister, you know, in prayer along those lines in order to get healing. You might need to go into a study there's process in everything. Now, Paul, you had your hand up. Um, yeah, are you asking us to consider, just for clarification, are you yes. asking us to consider that Leah and Rachel and Jacob and that, that, that picture, mm-hmm. that they had to have a level of relational maturity to make this thing? They absolutely free? did. Okay. They absolutely did. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, like I said, as Western culture, don't even think about it. We go, oh, never. And we keep going. We're like, okay, yeah, so Jacob, what's your deal with God? Right? We, we just, like it didn't happen. But why, why also are we reading it that way? What's going on in us that doesn't allow us to slow down and go, okay, God. Uh, yeah, you got some explaining to do. I mean, you know, you're the almighty and everything, but uh, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I feel like the other part that sure. American people get is that back in those days, women were a form of relationship between nations. When mm-hmm. nations wanted to commingle and be allies, the daughters and even sometimes the sisters were married to the other king. And you know, when the king had multiple wives, it was because he had multiple. He was in a relationship with multiple exactly. countries. Exactly. That's right. Mm-hmm. They were they were ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even and in even in those situations, uh, 
two, we have to think about what is really going on inside of them relationally, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Because as Taylor said, those things were done, but imagine what happens to, imagine emotionally or relationally how a woman feels to be traded as a piece of property mm -hmm. to make to 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 make a deal so there's so there's a there has to be a woundingness there somewhere mm -hmm. victoria you're gonna say something and at the same time the only one jacob truly loved mm -hmm. was rachel yep and so all yeah. those other mm -hmm. women were just second best that's right yeah. but if you read this story because i've always thought of it mm -hmm. in those terms mm -hmm. right? like how those women must have felt and at the same time he had relations with the other women, uh -huh. seemingly of his own free will, so uh -huh. he had to have some level of care for them. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, but look at how. But look at how but Leah. Knowing that Rachel but, was number one. Yeah, but right. and so how did Leah all? You know, how did the scriptures tell how how that made Leah feel? Uh -huh. So even though he had a relationship with Leah, Leah was second fiddle. Uh -huh. And how would any of us feel? To know that we are second fiddle, right? Well, and not just to a stranger, but to your own sister. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And the same with the boys. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on. Um, so our uh, our theme scripture for this series actually comes out of Ephesians eleven uh, fifteen. No, Ephesians four. Ephesians four eleven fifteen. Sorry, I'm speaking too fast. Eleven two fifteen. Thank you. <laughs> my, my correction is here with me. Um, so Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the teachers, the pastors and the teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach maturity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there with every wind and teaching, and by the cunningness and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the, uh, of him who is ahead, that is Christ. Okay? Relational maturity is what we're talking about. So when we think about uh, relational maturity, I want you to think about relational maturity uh, from the standpoint that there's actually two processes in relational maturity. There is a process of relational maturity between us and God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, and there is a relational process between us and everyone else. So think about the process, the relational process between us and God as vertical relational process and the relationship between us and everyone else as horizontal relational process. It's going to be important because the rest of our teaching is going to really rely on those two processes. Okay, Vertical relational process, that's between us and the Godhead. Horizontal 
relational process. The process we go on of uh, relational maturity between us and everyone else. So one of the things that you will notice in this theme scripture is that it really points out this idea between the process, the relational process between us and Christ and us and each other. Right. So when you look at it, you look at in verses 11 through 13, really speak about this relational process that we go through between us and Christ. 14 and 15 really talk about our relational process between ourselves and each other. So we actually break down relational process. When we talk about relational process, that acronym for process, I'm not going to tell you what that acronym means because each week we're going to take one letter, right, in that word process. And each letter in that process has a vertical relational meaning and it also has a horizontal relational meaning. But right now what we're going to talk about is that in, process, in relational process itself, there are elements to that process, right? There are elements that whether we realize it or not, we all do. We all do organically, even though we don't think about it. It's part of a relational process. When we meet somebody, when we go through this process, it's, it's actually a process. And Ron would be really happy with me right now because I've actually broken this down into a mathematical equation. <laughs> Ron is going to be really happy when he hears this. Now, I don't know if you guys were here last week. Ron is a scientist that hates science. <laughs> Me and that brother are going to have to have a talk, because I don't understand that. How can you become a scientist and you hate science? Yeah. Something's up with that. Mm -hmm. but, Anyway, nevertheless, so here it is. So many processes have elements that make growth possible. Relational process um, has three elements in it that we can talk about. And this mathematical formula is expressed this way. T plus S plus A equals G. <laughs> Brian turns around and goes, what you talking about, Joe? <laughs> He's like, this boy has lost his mind. Paul wants T you to repeat it. plus S plus A equals G. I see the wheel spinning. They don't have to spin too long. Okay, so here it is. Time plus study plus application equals growth. Time plus study plus application equals growth. So now here's the thing. We, we already do it organically. So think about the steps of a relationship, right? So you meet somebody for the first time. Somebody introduces you, right? So when you're introduced to that person, you don't have a relationship yet. You just met the person. In order for that relationship to grow, what's the first element that you need? 
So let's talk about time. Time is the constant in the relationship. And in the equation. And in the equation, right? Because here's the thing. Whether you choose to have a relationship with somebody, whether you choose to learn about that person, whether you choose to grow that relationship, time is always moving. Time is always going on. Okay. So let me just add that it's a, it's, a, it's a conundrum because time is a variable in and of itself, but it is the constant. It is the constant variable upon which you can depend because it's always going to keep on ticking. Whether you choose to invest time in that relationship or not, it's still going on. Exactly. And I can tell you, I can tell you, I've known of relationships personally, whether they are uh, family relationships or marital relationships, that the, t the length of time they were together, that relationship did not grow. Okay. So the point is, just because you've been together for a long time does not mean that there's any relational growth. If there's no relational growth, you're not moving toward relational maturity. Sure. I'm just going to throw something out here because I think that time plus study plus application may not equal growth if there is not something else in the mix, which I'm going to say is application in adversity. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that if adversity is missing in this equation, there won't be growth. And okay. I'll tell you so, why I would defend the formula the way we have it, not because we're all that in a bowl of chips, <laughs> but simply because you, in life there's always adversity. We can count on adversity being a part of our lives, no matter if we were born with a silver spoon in our mouths or not. It, it is part of that constant. Right. And so I can see why you mm. would add it. I think we made an assumption that it's a part of, because application is not just about application in the good times. I'm just thinking of relationships that I have with people that yes. don't have any adversity. Like people I just see once a week on Sundays, that's it. I don't grow any closer to them because there's no adversity in that relationship. There's just... Exactly. There's no time investment and, in those relationships. And here's, the, here's the other thing, because when we're talking about relationships, all relationships, there are different levels of relationship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the whole idea is that to reach relational maturity, relational maturity also means that you have the relational maturity to deal with conflict. You see what I'm saying? Because if you're not relationally mature, in yourself. In yourself and have done the work, what happens is when you have conflict, right, that points out that that work has not been done. So if it's done correctly, even in adversity, it will work. Okay? I was just going to say that if you put in the time, the adversity will come. Mm -hmm. And if you're not mm -hmm. making that investment, then sure, there's no adversity, there's no adversity yeah. because you're not investing into it. Right. If, you're putting, if you're putting the time in and you're being honest, the adversity will. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, 
Yeah. And again, too, it, it's we have to look at from certain relationships because some some relationships you have are they're acquaintance, they're superficial, right? So so that relationship only goes so far, right? Relational maturity really begins to happen with the deeper relationships, especially when you're talking about marriage, because you're with that person every day, right? Friendships. And yeah, and, and, and friendships, friendship, long-term, long-term, not just you know acquaintance mm-hmm. friendships, but long-term deep friendships. So let's look at the next part of that equation, which is study. So study can also uh, be looked at as acquiring knowledge. Okay. So we talked about the idea of let's go back to relationships. So now you've met somebody or you know somebody so even if let's just say this is a dating relationship or anything like that so what happens is you begin to organically what begins to happen is you begin to know something about this person right as you talk as you spend time as you talk about your likes your dislikes maybe things you have in common which you don't have in common dreams goals what's beginning to happen right is you're beginning to acquire knowledge, right? You're beginning to acquire knowledge. One of the things that also in a, and we're, we're keeping this to a marriage relationship, that begins to happen, whether you know it's con- uh, subconsciously or consciously, is you're actually beginning to study that person. You're beginning to know a little bit more of that person in terms of, maybe their moods, maybe their body language. There's certain things that you're beginning to pick up on. So without you really knowing it, you're actually beginning to study this person. So the issue with that part, that element of study is that's optional. I can choose to enter into knowing that person or not. I can choose to go on that journey of knowing that person as deeply as I can or not. There have been many instances of couples that Leona and I have um, mentored and counseled that they've been together for a while and they don't really know each other. So I have a story about a gentleman that I knew and when you looked at his life from the outside, it looked <coughs> perfect, put it that way. He had the perfect house. He had the perfect cars. They went on ski vacations. They went on vacations every year. They had two kids. They lived in a great neighborhood. They had great jobs. And one day he comes home and there's a Dear John letter sitting on his dresser. And he was totally floored. He couldn't understand what happened. He thought he had invested 25 years of marriage, but from what his wife wrote at the end, part of what she said was, you never really knew me. Right? He was so tied up in having what looked perfect 
that he didn't invest the time to really know his wife. Because if he knew his wife, he wouldn't have been so shocked to see the Dear John letter that day. Because obviously, there were signals that were happening. It's very rare for somebody to flip out. Everything's good today. And you come in tomorrow and just go, I'm just totally shocked. This came out of nowhere. No, it didn't come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. He didn't invest the second element, which was he didn't get to know his wife. That's a very important element, not only in our marital relationships, but in any relationship in which that we enter into that yeah. we're investing in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I just had one of my top stylists um, give me their letter of resignation, um, the Dear John letter, um, essentially. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, if I had been any less observant, I would be much more shocked than I am right now. Mm. Because I could see her starting to flag. I could see the stress of having to move from salon to salon, starting to wear well, on her and that kind of stuff. I wasn't expecting it to come as soon mm -hmm. as she did. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. But, <laughs> but it happened, and I'm not. Right. You recognize the symptoms. And, and what, what Alec is pointing out is so true of all our relationships, right? I mean, in the sense that you could have, you could have siblings that you think that you're getting along with, right? You've been getting along for 30 years, and then all of a sudden you get a, a letter from a sister that's like, and you're reading the letter going, what, what, what? right? And it's because there wasn't an investment, and I've actually experienced that. There wasn't an investment on my part because I was busy being a little sister to ever look at my adult sister to see the pains that she was experiencing, especially in that particular time of her life. I didn't, I was too absorbed with, I can always go to you with issues that I'm dealing with. Mm. Never, uh, hey, how are you doing? Never a watchfulness to see that things weren't necessarily going well. So, yeah, if we don't invest not just the time, but also um, get enough of our perspective off of ourselves, to look out, then there becomes a challenge. And um, Giovanna, you had your hand. Yeah, it, it reminds me of what um, Pastor Joe said that um, I have a friend that her son is married, um, well, pretty much is going through a divorce because um, his wife pretty much had a dead job, run a dead job. And then the same thing happened where. On the anniversary in September, you know, he gave her pretty much like everything that they wanted for her the, the anniversary. And then like uh, a week later, he came home from work. The wedding dress was on the bed. The wedding ring was on a dresser. The mm -hmm. wedding uh, pictures was like set like on a bed, just like scattered and everything like that. And then he was just like, well, I don't understand. Yeah, what we happened? Just went on our mm -hmm. wedding anniversary, what in the world happened? Mm -hmm. And she was just like, well, exactly what you said, like, well, you 
didn't pay me no attention. And he was just like, well, I worked, you know, for this many hours to try to take care of the bills. And I thought that I was doing what a man was supposed to do. And she right. was just like, but he wasn't there for me. Right. You right. know, I, exactly. I actually, I needed you. I was, you know, you mm -hmm. might have been there for the bills, but I needed you, like, emotionally. Right. You know, mm -hmm. and so it was like the dear John, mm -hmm. just like you said. Right. And so she got, God forbid, but she went on to, like, another person. Mm -hmm. That wasn't right either, but mm -hmm. the whole point is, it was like, mm -hmm. You know, we right. need to pretty much yeah. see God. Because, yeah, yeah. And, and just like the guy that I was talking about, mm -hmm. right, the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, again, from the outside, you would think, you know, the perfect house, you know, he yeah. would say the same thing. Hey, I gave you a beautiful house. Right. You've got two sons. You've got cars. Right. we got vacations. Right. We've got all this stuff. Right. What do you mean? And what she was really saying was, Number one, you never really got to know me. Exactly. Number two, you didn't meet my needs relationally. Exactly. Right? Which is where we're going to go on this next one, this next um, element, which is application. Okay. So I can spend time. I can gain knowledge. But if I don't do something with that knowledge... There's no growth, there's no maturity. And we've also seen this before. Mm -hmm. So now, those of you that have been in relational care long enough to know that we've talked about relational needs. That all of us have relational needs. Attention, affection, encouragement, support. Acceptance. We have needs, right? So if I have the knowledge that Leona needs attention, affection, and support, right? If I do not now take that and apply that, okay, nothing changes. As a matter of fact, and I've said this to a lot of guys, you need to be really careful when you start entering into wanting to know what your wife's relational needs are. Because right now, if you don't know, you have the leeway of ignorance. <laughs> right? You have the leeway of ignorance. Because if we have not done the work to even go there, right? I've got the ignorance of saying, well, I don't know what my wife's relational needs are. But if I knew what they were, I would meet them, right? Here's the danger. I like that, huh? Right. Here's the danger. The danger is once I enter into that and we go through that study and my wife says, what I need is I need attention, affection, and support. The next question I ask is, okay, what does that look like to you? Because attention to me might mean that you're going to sit down and watch 49er game with me. <laughs> so we're sitting there and I'm going, hey, I'm giving you attention. We're sitting here together watching this game. Isn't this great? And my wife says, that's not what I mean. That, here, that does not meet my need 
for attention. Okay. That meets your need. It meets my need for attention. Absolutely. So she may, she may say, I can't stand the 49ers. But in order to meet his need for attention, because he says that his need for attention is, while I'm sitting here watching this game, I want you to sit here and watch this with me. So as a part of her wanting to meet my need, she's going to sit there and watch that three-hour game that she doesn't want to watch. But if I ask her what her need for attention is, and she tells me what that is, and I don't do it, okay? Now, not only has your relationship not grown, it's going backwards at a very quick pace. Yes. Application is extremely important because I've been, I've known this woman for 53 years, okay? I've known her since she was six. We've been married for almost 38 years, okay? After 38 years, I better darn well know some stuff about her. A few things. A, a few couple things. of things. What she wants me to know. Okay? What she wants me to know. But she can walk in the house, and I can tell by the way she's moving what's going on. And if I can't, I know enough to at least be able to say, Lee, what's going on with you? And she may say sometimes nothing, and I'm like, I'm not buying that because I'm looking at you, and I know something's going on. Now, it may take her about five or ten minutes to work her way around to say, yeah, there is something going on, and this is what it is, okay? Mm -hmm. But I know her, right? So she can't even fool me by saying nothing. I've known her too long. So a lot of times I'll say, okay, you're telling me nothing now. Just want to let you know, when you get back around to get into that place that you want to talk about it, I'm here to talk about it because I know there's something going on, right? Mm -hmm. And then she'll work her way back around, okay? But I have to, if, if I don't apply what I know, there's no growth, there's no maturity. I, know. I used to never understand how like some women would fall into affairs where he said it just happened at work mm -hmm. or something like that. And I had to secure the situation where the woman wanted attention from her husband, mm -hmm. you know, to compliment her mm -hmm. on her hair mm -hmm. or her dress. Mm -hmm. And once the lady did, she went to work one day and then one of the guys at work mm -hmm. said, Hey, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, like he noticed, outfit, right? You know, and mm -hmm. then now the woman becomes mm -hmm. dressing for the man at work, mm -hmm. fishing mm -hmm. for the accomplishment. Right, right. Compliment. So mm -hmm. I can see how that happens. Mm -hmm. I justify it. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, yes. No, absolutely. You can yeah. fall into right. that. Absolutely. And it can be the other way around. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And going sure. to work and, mm -hmm. oh, thank you, Johnny. I mean, you, Johnny, had a speech. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, same thing. But oh, can you get that box off the top for me? Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you for getting that box. Exactly. Oh, thank you for fixing my exactly. computer. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because when you talk to people that have affairs, mm -hmm. that is almost always yep. the number one reason the affair yep. happens. Yep. Because the relational, the relational needs. need uh -huh. that they needed that was uh -huh. not being given to them at home, uh -huh. somebody else uh -huh. 
was giving them that even though they didn't know it and right. see so this is this is why it's so important for us to really know what's going on within ourselves because what's happening with people is if you have a woman that has a need for attention but doesn't know she has a need for attention or maybe has a clue but here's the thing she doesn't know how to she's not first of all in a safe environment to where she can go to her husband and say you know what I realize is that I haven't been getting attention from you and what I really need relationally from you is attention. Right? There hasn't been that safety built there in the relationship for her to be able to do that, right? And sometimes we think that, oh, this person's been with me, they ought to know that. You've been with me long enough, you ought to know I haven't. Really? Well, let me add to that. Not necessarily. That it's sometimes not, <laughs> yes. not because the communication hasn't happened. A lot of times the communication is happening, mm -hmm. but we don't have shared language mm -hmm. to be able to say, okay, I know what that means. And you're not abnormal, right? Like, you know, I, I, I'd like for you to be able to compliment me on my dress or on my hair or, you know, on, on, on my weight or, you know, and I'm always on a diet and he's like, I don't know what to say. Cause if I tell the truth, you're going to be upset. Right? Like, you know, baby, you still a little heavy right there. I, I know now I can't say that, but so I don't know enough, what to you say. Will not do that. No, so, I'm saying, no, 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 wait, 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 let me finish my thought. Let me finish my thought. That may be what, that may be what he's thinking. Just a second. That may be what he's thinking. But now he doesn't know what to do with that. That's my point. He's thinking, well, the truth is, you're still a little round around the tire, right? But he doesn't know what to do with that because he doesn't have language or he doesn't know how to get through those situations. He's not been taught. She's not been taught how to speak in a way that he can understand what she is what she needs she's using language that is not anywhere in his vocabulary so that can also lead to people feeling like they need to check out of their relationships out of their marital relationships mm -hmm. or out of your friendship i'm not when i'm talking about this i'm not limiting it to marriage i'm saying these things can happen in peer-to-peer -peer relationships mm -hmm. where you're talking one thing because maybe you've gone you've had additional training maybe your job sent you on training to learn how to be a supervisor and for whatever reason that opened you up to certain things that are also applicable because maybe you just got promoted right and so you're trying to institute that but you're now speaking about things very different from your coworker who was just your coworker two weeks ago you guys have now shifted into a totally different relationship and you don't have the same language it takes an investment of time it takes an investment of even that coworker that is still now subordinate to you to study, just like it takes for that individual who got promoted to also study, to be able to know and now begin to apply it in relationship. In other words, there's no such thing as we just fall in love and boom, things just somehow mysteriously just work together without people doing going through a relationally mature process in themselves mm -hmm. and also together <clears throat>
that that's the ultimately where I was going with my example because if I'm not growing I won't even see the need to change my language so that I can present it to him in a way that he can maybe at least try right for him to be able to grasp it and vice versa Sue? So one of the why I said and if any of you guys want some coaching I will coach you but that's why I just said that you know we have to be careful right we have Absolutely. to be careful of how we present it Paul as you say that I was thinking that uh, when you mentioned telling guys be careful about going down this path I gotta leave this room but no um, the, <laughs> uh, it's it's putting me back into my old job mm -hmm. um, in 2005, I went from the repair department into sales. Mm -hmm. So I was working in a warehouse, and now all of a sudden, I'm out in the world driving around visiting customers, that kind of stuff. And I had training in the same product I had been doing repairs on for seven or eight years. And now I'm getting training from a different side of the same product mm -hmm. to be able to sell and to how to apply and so on and so forth for the customer, to serve the customer, that kind of thing. Um, and I remember a number of times thinking, you know, if I'd have known this new stuff when I was doing that, I could have done a way better job. Mm -hmm. I could have been much more effective mm -hmm. and time would have been spent so much more productively mm -hmm. work, right? Um, <coughs> instead of chasing my tail Mm -hmm. trying to figure something out and all this kind of stuff. If I had a little bit of this training back then, mm -hmm. things could have been way different. Mm -hmm. right. You guys are giving us that, so we're not chasing our tails. Um, thank you.
could have saved each other a world of hurt had we sought it. And so that's something else I was kind of thinking. I'm sorry I'm going long. Uh, we were looking at the person uh, on the receiving end of the Dear John. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I was also thinking of the person writing the Dear the John. Dear John. Mm -hmm. There were opportunities, <coughs> for sure, in 25 years mm -hmm. to, to figure out, kind of like, you know, God speaks to us mm -hmm. in a way we can hear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He knows how to do that in a, in a moment. Mm -hmm. We have to learn how to speak. Exactly. You know, you're not doing this, mm -hmm. you're not doing this, and you're not doing right. this. Does it help? Nope. Uh, no. No. Sweetheart, something that I need. Exactly. Oh, okay, I got to do the homework. We have to learn the language. What my needs so, are. Yeah. Add one Where, before. What are Paul's what does mean call means look like to call? Right. She just typed that a moment ago, and I was like, exactly. That's okay. But we talked about you try in a way that Kathy can hear instead of, like I said, you don't do this, you don't do this, and you always, and you always. I need to figure out how to communicate. That's right what my needs are and we have to we I have to something? we have to learn we have to learn how to listen mm -hmm. because somebody can communicate but if we're not really listening and we're not listening with the intent to learn right then we miss out on all that so we're talking about humility really at all times mm -hmm. in our relationships and we're also talking about from, from what Paul shared, that without having the material specification sheet, as well as information on what the parts were designed to do, he was recognizing that he was not as good a repair tech as he could have been. Had he had the material <clears throat> specification sheet in the beginning, as well as what that part was designed to do. Because when you're in sales, you need to go out with in your head what that thing is designed to do. When we have a better idea of what marriage is about, because it's not about us. It is actually an institution put together by God. Even if you didn't marry in the Lord, sorry. No excuse. Mm -hmm. It was put together by God. He set it up. He identifies what it's for. It's for his use. And when I start falling into the trap of entitlement because it no longer is working for me, I have now stepped outside of the material specifications and the design of this thing called marriage or relationship. It's for him. And so, yes, I have an obligation to apply time. I have an obligation, even when I'm done, I'm so tired of putting in time. But I was putting in time on the basis of my own calculations and not based on God's calculations. I'm done studying because I know everything he needs. I walk, he walks in and I've got food ready. Well, maybe that's not what he wants, first thing but I never bothered to study by asking him. I just assumed because that's the way my family house worked. Mm -hmm. 
that that's what he needed and that's what a good wife was so um i'm gonna be quiet so joe can wrap us up because we have to leave yeah um i was going to be an example um one thing that i think people notice uh, they don't notice is when you're talking to somebody um what tense are you using are you using you 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 very good that's very good thank that's you very good thank you appreciate that um so we're gonna have to wrap up really quickly here <clears throat> but um i just want to bring out this this um statement here that no relational maturity there's no relational maturity without spiritual or emotional maturity Okay. Um, spiritual, we begin to understand who we have been created to be and the power the Holy Spirit gives us to walk according to the word and learning emotional self-control, which is one of the fruits of the spirit. And it's out of Galatians 5, 23, right? One of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. And so um, also emotional Learning emotional self-control keeps us from flipping our lid. You guys heard that statement? Okay, so that's actually a limbic statement. People know what the limbic system is? Controls your emotion, right? So here's your, here's your limbic system in your brain. There's your brain, right? So when conflict happens, right, and emotions take off, what happened? Boom. You flip your lid, you go, what we call, you go limbic, right? And when you go limbic, the prefrontal cortex shuts, shuts off. Down. Logic, reasoning, right? Mm -hmm. And so now we, yeah. our emotions are on 12. We start going places we shouldn't go, saying things we shouldn't say, right? And when our senses return, now we've done a whole lot of damage mm -hmm. and said a whole lot of things mm -hmm. that we didn't really mean that you can't take back. We don't hear nothing but the negative things. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, when you go off when the scales at about 10 or 11, mm -hmm. there ain't much positive there. Yeah, right. <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Um, and then relational, right? When we're walking in step with the Holy Spirit and displaying the fruits of the Spirit, emotional self-control helps us to stay calm and use our relational skills that we have learned this not only helps us to weather the storms of relational con uh, conflict, it also helps us to greater relational maturity by learning how to serve and give to one another builds intimacy and safety in relationships. Okay. So that's it for this week. Next week, we start with the letter P in process, and we will talk about that from a vertical relational standpoint and a horizontal relational standpoint. All right. So, Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for this class. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for the word of God, um, which is living and active. And, Father, that it is, um, it is there for training, rebuking, resorting, exhorting, uh, Father, in every part of our lives. And so we thank you for it. And by it, Lord, we learn how to become relationally mature, not only our relationship with you, but relationship with others. So as we continue to go through this series, Lord, we just continue to pray 
that you will illuminate our minds and not only illuminate our minds, that Lord, that you would help us to implement the things that you are trying to teach us. We love you and bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, Joe.